This is the One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. My name's Jeff Woods. I'm the vice president here at the One Thing team. In the last episode, we talked about how momentum can shift your mindset. This was a case study with one of you. So great episode. Go back and check that one out. This episode, we're talking about recruiting top talent with a guy named Matt Schwartz. He reached out. We caught on the phone, hit it off right away. I just loved his energy, his outlook, and he's been living the book and it's helped him with his business and he's in the executive search world. So I wanted to have a conversation with him uh, for two reasons. Number one, just to explore more how the book has helped him in his life in terms of growing a, a meaningful business and also to talk about what it looks like to recruit top talent. Many of us as business owners, this is our one thing yet. Uh, let's just be frank. We got some room for growth, <laughs> right? So with that, let's get into my conversation with Matt Schwartz. Eating healthy is an investment. It's an investment in yourself, but it also often requires an investment of your time. But good news is Factor has delicious ready-to-eat meals that are ever fresh and never frozen. They're chef-created, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With Factor, you can choose from a weekly menu of up to 35 options, including popular things like Calorie Smart or Keto Direction or Protein Plus or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover 60 more add-ons every week like breakfast on the go, lunch, snacks, beverages to help you stay fueled, feel good all day. And we know our listeners here at The One Thing are focused on health and health goals. That's why we choose to partner with Factor. And if you visit factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150, you can get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Again, that's factormeals.com slash ONE50 and use code ONE50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. So Matt, where where were you in your life when you were first introduced to the concept of the one thing? It was probably about two and a half years ago. I was 13 years into my entrepreneurial journey, definitely looking for other ways to make myself more productive and efficient as well as grow my business. Mm-hmm. And what... Talk, what is your business for, for people who don't know you personally? So I'm the president of uh, MJS Executive Search. We are a retained executive search firm. Uh, like I said, we've been in business for 15 years. We specialize in what we call transformational talent. So instead of being specifically functionally focused in a, in a key area, we actually focus on roles that have often never existed before within our client's business, skill sets that are not organic to the company or the industry, or roles that need a significant upgrade due to an infusion of digital marketing or technology. And uh, the kinds of clients we work for are often global Fortune 500, uh, all the way down to private equity and and venture-backed earlier stage companies as well. You're 13 years into building your business. First and foremost, the fact that you survived 13 years says you were doing something right because most businesses don't. What was the challenge you were facing at the time that the one thing just rang so true for you? 
I would say it was probably just doing too many things at once. I had experimented with hiring lots of staff, uh, using uh, lots of uh, outside virtual assistants all around the world, and it it, it just wasn't enough. I, I needed more. I needed to really focus on what was most important, which was that ultimate client satisfaction. And so I, I redefined what my coach has called my genius work, you know, which mm-hmm. is what are the top, you know, three things that I should be doing all day long in order to make the business successful. Um, and, you know, we had gotten to a point where we had enough, I guess, critical mass and uh, enough of a history and a foundation that we knew we were going to have a an ongoing business year after year after year. But now it's it's building upon that. And uh, in our business, it's, it's being able to achieve uh, and win larger searches you know, of greater seniority, which in turn has uh, higher fee values attached to them. Mm. So you're touching on a major pain point for many of our listeners, whether they're a business owner, entrepreneur, an executive in, in a corporate structure, the idea of doing so many things, and many of us know what our, our unique genius is, if you will, but just doing those things and silencing everything else seems unrealistic. What did that look like for you? So Jeff, it really all starts with the foundation of of the the focus on transformational talent. It's it's super important that you know we got to this point where we realized that clients, whether they were on the leading edge or were trying to play catch up, needed these types of folks. So having that key focus allowed us to be able to pitch a broader spectrum of clients and uh, tell a story that was going to be incredibly attractive and also put us in a position where we were somewhat uh, agnostic from a uh, candidate pool standpoint to be able to identify the best talent for their organizations. So with that said, once we got to that point, it was now uh, an opportunity to get super, super focused and figure out what was it going to take to get us to the next level. So a lot of that has to do with uh, in terms of my role, and we talked earlier about my genius work, is managing clients at the highest level from a, a strategy uh, standpoint, uh, doing the the top the the, the senior most interviews uh, with the candidates that are coming through the door, but also, lastly, sales and marketing. How, how do we tell our story? How do we attract more uh, additional clients to our business? Because, you know, there's millions of search firms out there and, and a lot of people don't know who we are, but we're very fortunate to have worked with, you know, some of the largest, um, most blue chip Fortune 500 companies out there. So I, I appreciate the why behind it. You know, you had clarity on what your niche was. You had clarity on the fact that if you wanted to get to the next level, you needed to be focusing on doing just those handful of things. A lot of people have that clarity though, but they're still not able to say no to all the other stuff that comes to them. When you got clarity on what your genius work was, what were some of the biggest offenders? Some of the, the top things that kept popping up and would try to steal your time? That is an excellent, excellent question, because I think uh, not only me, but a lot of people definitely are challenged with this. One is just the barrage of email all day long. I probably receive 30 to 50 unsolicited candidate 
requests uh, every single day, you know, to ask for my time, to ask for my counsel. And unfortunately, uh, obviously, we love our candidates, but, you know, we work on behalf of clients who are who are paying us to fill very specific roles. So so email is is number one unsolicited phone calls or, or solicitation calls over the phone, you know, number two, it's, it's a, it's a ma- massive, massive distraction. And then, uh, you know, there are definitely things like some of the administrative duties that I can choose to get involved with or not get involved with, whether that's, you know, payroll, finance, HR, and, you know, had to figure out ways to uh, outsource some of those solutions wherever possible. Okay, so uh, can I play devil's advocate now, please? Because I'm I'm going to talk like the the subconscious of most of our listeners. But Matt, you want to? You're, you're a recruiting firm. You've got to be in your email. You've got to be able to respond to clients. If somebody's calling, you have to answer the phone. It could be another company. It could be a current uh, company that you're working with that's asking for an update. How do you say no to them? Well, I don't say no, but I manage it. So there's a number of things that that I can do is one, I don't have to pick up the phone every single time it rings. But obviously, if it's a client, I'm going to call them back immediately or I'm going to see on the caller ID that they're calling and I'm always going to pick up a client call if I am available, if I'm not on another line. In regard to a a new business opportunity, same thing. Um, If a, a potential new client calls and leaves a message, that actually is a opportunity for me to to do some homework before I call them back and not uh, just jump at the uh, the, the first uh, conversation because the more knowledgeable I am and the more insight I can give them and, and comfort level from that very first call, the more uh, likely we are to uh, ultimately win business down the road. Hmm. So, but if you don't, answer the phone or you don't respond to their email right away, aren't they mad? So I have a little secret. Um, <laughs> so I, I have an unbelievable uh, assistant uh, organization, virtual assistant organization that I work with. And and one of those tasks is having uh, one of my assistants help me with my email. So he actually goes into my email box, uh, eliminates a lot of the noise that would distract me all day long. But more importantly, if I get unsolicited resumes that are not relevant to anything that we're working on at that moment or in most cases are not even relevant to anything that we ever do as a search firm. We actually have emails that are that that are sent by my assistant on my behalf. And I, you know, I actually get thank you notes all day long from people instead of upsetting people and not responding to their email because, you know, in most cases, people send resumes to recruiters and they go into black holes. So the, I earlier this month was speaking at a Fortune 500 company. It was for the senior leadership team. What was really interesting is how when we were wrapping up, we were doing some Q&A and to see some of these senior leaders just be really vulnerable and, and frankly, a little scared because they genuinely did not feel like they were in control of their time. They were talking about email and how if something comes in uh, from the CEO or a senior VP, how they need to respond right away. And the senior VP in the room looked at them and said, question for you, when I send you an email with a project that has your name on it, do you think that I'm sitting by my email 
hitting refresh, waiting for your response. And the whole room was kind of silent. He goes, half the time when I, the moment I click send, I forget that I sent it. I just needed to clear the deck. I just needed to get it off my plate and onto yours. Exactly. I'm not always just sitting around waiting for it. And, and the, the shift in the mindset in the room was palpable. It's amazing how for you, you're in a client services business. Getting back to your clients, being available for your clients is, is probably in your 20%. Is that fair to say? 100%. But it doesn't mean that you have to be on call. <laughs> That's right. The interesting thing, though, is every once in a while, you'll, I'll have a client who is one of those people that is just on their email 24 seven. And if you condition them that you're going to get back to them within five seconds of, of them emailing you mm. or texting you, they're going to have that expectation moving forward. But, uh, thank God, uh, in today's world, people are so inundated with activity that, uh, most of the time, I think it's more like your example where, they just need it off their list. They need it told. They need someone to acknowledge that this is a, you know, something that they've received. And then, you know, they have realistic expectations for people to follow up with them. I love what you shared there. I think a lot of people who listen to this do not realize that when they answer the phone, always, when they respond to text messages quickly, when they answer emails quickly, they are training the outside world that they are responsive to that channel. And the expectations become ingrained in those people because of you and your actions. I just love for for you, Matt, to, to acknowledge that you are in control of your time. Yes, you will get back to them. You will deliver amazing service. And part of delivering amazing service is not allowing yourself to get distracted so you can actually do the most important work. Absolutely. <laughs> what a shocker. That's interesting. Uh, what's been the biggest challenge for you in terms of living the one thing? I, I, I would say that even though my my one thing is definitely... Uh, client satisfaction, and we need to deliver on that. And there's obviously a lot of activities that go along with that. Uh, my one thing lately has had to shift, not from client satisfaction, but you know, I have to split my time to really focus on sales and marketing, and and what are the things that are going to, you know, get us more attention and awareness. So you know, those things, the the sales and marketing piece. Uh, because it's an investment in the business and an investment in my time, it doesn't always feel like a building block to getting that next search done. So it's conflicting with, you know, what my main focus is, which is, you know, happy clients. But at the same time, we want more happy clients. So right. <laughs> It's really that mental shift and that that challenge and, and getting my team in line to say, hey, this is important for all of us. We're all going to be more successful. We're all going to make more money. But, you know, you've got to give me time to do this and and allow me to, uh, you know, be able to have the time and uh, the space to make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. When we've been working with the people who are in our Living Your One Thing community and one of the top questions that's been coming up is, is how do you balance what the one thing is you need, you need to do for long-term for your business versus the one thing that is more of a short-term, it still needs to happen, which, which happens first. And I think it's this myth that we all have more than one thing, folks. 
(laughs) We have a lot of one things. The truth is you got a lot of hours in the day. Yes. There is enough time for you to do the things that allow you to serve your clients fully so that you are building a great, strong brand and referral business. And there's also enough time for you to do the short-term one things like for Matt, that sales and marketing to to get an, uh, an infusion of new clients in the short run. It's just a matter of what are you actually dealing with your time? Absolutely. And, and you, you just brought up the idea of time. And, um, you know, one of the things that I focus on from a time standpoint is, uh, utilizing the, uh, the Pomodoro technique. And so what that means is, uh, I block off, uh, windows of 25 minutes at a time. And I use a, uh, a Pomodoro calendar, which is called Be Focused, which is on uh, the uh, App Store uh, on my Mac. And it actually allows me to create a to-do list and I can assign how many 25-minute blocks is it going to take for me to accomplish that task. So what I do is I hit the timer, I work on the task, at 25 minutes, the uh, alarm goes off. I take a five-minute break, and uh, I then you know, stay focused for another 25 minutes. And it is absolutely fantastic in terms of being able to really get focused and lock it all down. It, unfortunately, I cannot shut off my email completely. You know, that doesn't work. Um, a lot of people will do that, you know, minimize the window, you know, like we were talking about being in that ultimate client service business. I need to know what's going on. Maybe I could do it for one 25 minute block, but I'm not going to shut it off for two hours at a time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I totally get it. I feel like there's just an opportunity here that I have to to take because so many of our listeners are in a position where either as a business owner or as a leader within an organization, they have to hire people. We know that recruiting top talent into your world is the one thing that you can do for your business. And it's also probably the one thing that people have never really received formal training on and they just don't do it well. So <laughs> can we talk about some tips that from your experience people can use so that they can get into relationship with top talent? Absolutely. So first of all, People need to understand what what are the most important skill sets that they're looking for uh, for their firm. Um, if they're going to try and develop relationships on their own, they need to utilize tools like like LinkedIn. Uh, potentially get a uh, LinkedIn recruiter account for their business, and this will allow them to do really advanced filtering to be able to identify who candidates are within their local geographic area that potentially fill fit the skill set that they're looking for. Whether they're recruiting immediately or they're trying to nurture relationships over time, it is okay to reach out via in-mail, which people would receive uh, a number of in-mails per seat license for their their LinkedIn recruiter account. And, you know, tell them a little bit about their business and let them know that they're doing some, you know, looking to have some exploratory conversations to get to know folks in their uh, field of uh, expertise in the local market and, uh, you know, start to nurture those relationships from there. The second thing is companies need to understand why 
talent makes moves today. And um, if they're looking for people who are in highly competitive areas, whether it's um, things like uh, artificial intelligence and big data, um, machine learning, which we're doing a lot of uh, media sales strategy, talent is moving because of the intellectual challenge that companies are offering. Obviously, competitive pay, great company cultures. But then lastly, and, and maybe even most importantly, the, the people and the person that they're going to be directly working with within that organization. So having an understanding of that going in is also going to help understand if your employer brand is a strong one and one that is going to be competitive to be able to attract this top talent to your organization. Mm. Now, what does that look like? How does it shift? Because I'm a millennial right? Clearly, I care about pay. I care about culture. I care about work-life balance, if you will. But it seems like many people, my generation, they, they want something more than just a thriving career. They want impact. How do people, leaders, companies today begin to market and communicate beyond just this is what the role and the opportunity is? How do, what's the right way to attract people from your messaging? That is a fantastic point. Having a company that's truly hires and, and fires based on their values is really, really key. So being able to state those values and give a candidate an understanding of what that looks like, including, you know, is something like making an impact important to that organization and do they give their employees an opportunity to do that? Those are, those are really, really key attributes to uh, make a company super attractive. Hmm. Okay. I like that. Uh, so what I've, to recap, what I've heard you so far is first and foremost, the idea of lead generation. And you're using LinkedIn, you're using a recruiter account and the ability to reach out to people. And it sounds like when you're, when you're talking about this, I'm going, yeah, that's, that's nothing sexy. It's nothing complicated yet. What really is when it comes to getting results? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? so, It's so- consistency. Yeah, so that's one way to do it digitally. The the other way is is through something like a meetup group. You know, maybe your company could sponsor a meetup group within a sp- specific segment or skill set and uh, get people to gather around in your local market. Okay, okay. What I like about it is, um, I know that when I was hunting for my executive assistant. It was a full-time focus for five months, consistently generation, reaching out to people, tapping the networks, tapping LinkedIn, ended up working out great. But if I just expected resumes to land on my lap, top talent isn't looking for a job. Is that, do you find that? Absolutely. I would say 95% of the people that we place were not actively looking. And if they were, they, they are still gainfully employed before we uh, pull them out to, to a, a more attractive opportunity. So let's say you reach out to me over in mail and I'm very happy in my mind. I'm not recruitable. How are you getting my attention? One of the biggest mistakes people make when they recruit is they reach out to people with a message of, hey, Jeff, I just reviewed your LinkedIn profile and you are 
perfect for this opportunity. <laughs> well, you know, we don't know each other. Yeah, <laughs> this is a blind reach out. So it it really doesn't. It, it it's actually not effective to do that. Instead, we approach every candidate reach out as what we like to call sourcing. Uh, sourcing call or a sourcing message. So what that means is, hey, Jeff, you know, my name is Matt Schwartz. I'm president of MJS Executive Search. We are currently working on an opportunity. It could be with XYZ company. It could be with, you know, a company of a certain revenue size or, you know, what awards have they done uh, one? Um, and we call that our one sexy thing. So, you know, we, we put something in there that's going to be a hook that may get your attention. We would most likely put the title of the position as well um, or some sort of level of the position. So you have a sense, could it be something uh, that could be that you could be open to? And then we just say, hey, you know, we'd love to uh, speak to you to see if this could be of interest to you or someone that you know. So it's a very broad, open ended conversation. And in that in that case, over 35 percent of the people we reach out to actually respond and say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm open to talking. In a lot of cases, they're saying, hey, I'm not looking right now, but I'm more than happy to uh, have a quick conversation to see if I know anybody for you. And then once we get them on the phone, that's our opportunity to really give them a, enough insights for them to, to pause and maybe throw their hat in the ring, at least for a preliminary conversation. Well, first, the fact that you're getting over a 35% response rate to me, that that shocked me. That seemed really high. I was going to ask you what percent should people expect if if they're not if they're not you with the golden touch. <laughs> it is very very high. It's actually probably around eighteen percent is the average uh, according to our LinkedIn rep. Okay. So and that's just one that's just one tool that we use. I mean, we're using, you know, just direct email. If for the other 65%, we're, we're making sure we pick up the phone and we, you know, the recruiters are calling them to see if we can get, get their attention as well. Not everybody is paying attention to their LinkedIn account all day long. But again, the other reason why we have such a high response rate is that recruiters, unfortunately, are often super, super lazy. Um, and so, <laughs> when, yeah, and, 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 you know, again, not to insult anyone, but let me tell you what I mean. Um, LinkedIn makes it so easy to be able to put in keywords and, and, and then receive a, a long list of candidates. But then what a lot of recruiters do is instead of going and, and looking at each profile one by one, they say, well, I put in the keywords, this is what it gave me back, so I'm going to send this note to every single person on the list. Well, that doesn't work because you know it's not a perfect science. They don't deliver candidates that are 100% accurate, even though you've done a query that should meet your needs. So it's very important that you get that list to be fine-tuned before you start messaging people to raise the likelihood of, of not only getting a response, but getting a quality response from a person that could truly be a, a real candidate for your search. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And once you get on the phone with these people, again, I'm, I'm putting myself, I responded, which I have responded to these before when I was in medical sales, even when I was very happy. I just, I'm a super connector. I wanted to be a resource to open opportunities for people inside of my world. And so I would take a call with a recruiter to learn about the opportunity. And I would oftentimes make introductions. It's the reason I got on the phone with Jay when he told me they were looking for a CEO. I said, I know people, let's talk. 
that actually opened the door. Do you have any go-to questions or things that you are looking to uncover that shifts the mindset of that talented individual from being, I'm unrecruitable to, hey, maybe I should explore this a little further? Hmm. Well, let's go back to what I said. You know, people are looking for a unique challenge. They're looking for competitive pay and they're they're looking for a great, not only a great company culture, but great people to work with and work for. So we create what we call an acid test on every search that we're working on. Um, and that's the three to six key criteria that a candidate must have. Um, but before we evaluate them against that acid test or do our pre-screen before they go to a full interview with me, it's important that we're able to have some of those, you know, key attributes of a company to get people to say, wow, I, I never knew that about that organization, or I didn't know they were so progressive, or I, you know, I didn't know they invested so much in technology for a, a conservative financial services company, you know, whatever it may be, it, it, it gives them pause and, and lets them say, wow, you know, that's really interesting. Maybe I should consider this. Okay. Okay. So, what I'm hearing you say, this goes back to most recruiters are lazy. They're just getting a list and blasting them. Whereas you're getting really clear on what's unique about that company. You're getting really clear about the two, three, five, six things that the candidate absolutely must have. Otherwise, they don't earn the right to be considered. Then you're going one-to-one. -one. You're looking at the profiles. You're reaching out so it can be more of a personal interaction. Correct. I mean, it's not rare for us to reach out to three, sometimes as much as 500 people per search only to present four to six qualified candidates to the client. That doesn't mean we interviewed 20 or 30, but the client only sees the most relevant, qualified, and interested candidates. The point I want to make on this, folks, for everybody who's listening, think of 80-20 rule. It's not you get a bunch of names and then you just go screen and interview them all because I made that mistake. I was just getting on the phone with people just to get on the phone. And I realized how much time I was wasting because I didn't do the homework in advance to get clear on what I was even looking for. You're talking to 300, 500 people and you present four? Correct. Huh. Why? <sighs> These roles are so highly specialized and so in some cases – highly technical, where they only want the biggest and the best. So in the world of big data, obviously, it's it's taking over and uh, artificial intelligence and, and machine learning is key to the future of a lot of uh, organizations. And a lot of people have the, the term big data on their resume, but that doesn't mean that they're utilizing the, the latest technologies and the latest open source capabilities. Doesn't mean they have PhDs where they've got the combination of theoretical, but also hands-on skill. And lastly, companies, especially in these highly analytic areas, they're, they're dying for those, those trilingual people, as we call them, the people that have the uh, technical skills, the, the the programming abilities, but the, also the ability to communicate uh, with senior business leaders to not only understand, but help uh, strategize and, and solve their problems with a technical solution. Hmm. This is this is fascinating. Yeah. So I, but I've got something else for you, Jeff, for your situation, which you may find interesting is you know, we, we clearly don't work on junior level jobs. But you talked about hiring an assistant there. There's a there's 
One technique that I would highly recommend, which is, you know, to utilize a applicant tracking platform. You know, there was there's a great one called Hireology, for example, where it not only allows you to post out to a lot of job sites, but also you can put in pre-screening questions within your um, so when people apply for your job, they actually have to you know tell you how they're qualified with very specific things based on very specific things that you've outlined. And you know in a lot of cases, people will not even do that 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 extra step. so they'll automatically be disqualified or, you know, it'll give you an opportunity to evaluate their answers and say, huh, you know, this person is interesting. And you could have kind of a, a yes, no, maybe pile and uh, work your process from there. So let technology help you do some of the screening prior to you actually having to talk to every single person and, and waste a lot of time and energy. Very cool. I love it. I love it. So, so far in this episode, we've, we've talked about for you, Matt, how you started living the book and and getting to the point where you recognized what your most important priorities were and making sure that that got the lion's share of your time. We, We talked about recruiting top talent and things that people can do to stay in relationship and recruit the people who quote unquote are not recruitable. What has surprised you most along your journey of living the one thing? I think it's the whole idea that the one thing can be utilized, not just in business, but in all aspects of my life, I, I really try and live my life with a, a focus on what is my ultimate purpose, my priorities, and then my ultimate productivity against that. And, and that can be everything from my business life, my key relationships, my physical health, my financial discipline. And if I focus on those things and, and create the the key activities against them, it really makes me feel a lot more fulfilled and driven in my day-to-day experiences. Yeah, I love that. And I think uh, to to make this actionable for people, so many of us wake up every single day focusing on the actions we need to take and the results that we want to get. We look up at the end of the day, the week, the month, the year, and if we're not getting the results that we desire, we try to take different action. Challenges, you're just focusing on the tip of the iceberg, which is what's above the surface. And on, I think it's on page 134 of the book, we actually have this image. You can't get results if you don't take the right actions or what we would call productivity. You can't be productive if you don't know your priorities because you don't know what to take action on first. And you don't truly know your priorities if you don't know why you're here on this earth to begin with. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So that's why it's that purpose, that priority, that productivity that generates the profit. And I I love how you brought that full circle, Matt. Great. And Jeff, if your listeners are not familiar with the books, the journals from the Intelligent Change folks, they should definitely pick them up. They are the authors of the uh, the, the five-minute journal yeah. uh, as well as the Productivity Planner. And uh, the five-minute journal is all about, you know, gratitude and and what's going to make your day great and affirmation. And then the productivity planner is really, you know, focused on the the one thing principles in the sense of, you know, what is your most important task for the day, secondary tasks, and 
then maybe a couple additional tasks, and then you actually rate yourself on your overall productivity day to day. You can even sign how many Pomodoros it's going to take to get each task done. So really, really great uh, tools that I, I love and uh, think those guys have you know put out some terrific products. Yeah, we actually, we've got copies of both of them because behind the scenes, we're creating a, uh, a one thing journal or planner as, as you would call it. And we've been benchmarking what's out there, what we like, and how do we create a version that truly helps people live the one thing. So stay tuned, guys, to come in the future. <laughs> well, Matt, I appreciate it, man. Where can people learn more about you? You can check out our website at mjsearch.com. If you're interested in receiving an uh, ebook that we, we've uh, written based on uh, transformational talent, you can text mjsearch to uh, 44222. Uh, so again, that's uh, dial 44222 and uh, text MJ search and uh, we'll shoot that ebook right out to you. Awesome. Well, Matt, I appreciate the time and look forward to staying in touch. Great. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for having me on. Well, there you have it. My call with Matt Schwartz. I just want to drive home, folks. The one thing is about the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. It's about simplicity. I've experienced myself and just from the people I've talked to, we have a tendency to overcomplicate things to feel like we have significance and we overcomplicate things to justify our inaction. When you listen to Matt talk about what it takes to recruit top talent, and let's be real, he's working with some really large companies recruiting extraordinarily high-level people. It's not like he's looking for you to fill your executive assistant position. He's looking for very senior leadership in positions that may not even exist yet. How does he do it? Well, he lead generates. (laughs) He scours LinkedIn. He scours other sources. He gets a database together. They go ahead and do the due diligence on the front end so that when they reach out, they're reaching out to the 20% that they think will get 80% of the results. And when they get on the phone with the people, they're only putting forth the 20% of the 20%. They are going extreme Pareto. As a result, he's built a great business doing it. And you can hear him. He just, he loves what he does. And it sounds like he's delivering incredible value to the companies he works with. For you, as whether you are a business owner, whether you are an employee, regardless of where you are, if you are hitting up against a ceiling in your life, you are missing a person. Whether that be in the form of somebody to work for you, whether that be in the form of other types of leverage, whether that be in the form of a coach or a mentor. If we were to shadow you for a week, two weeks, a month, What would we see in terms of your actions toward lead generating relationships? No one succeeds alone, folks. This is huge. Our hope is that you will take this episode as inspiration to make some changes in terms of how you're showing up in the world. What's the one thing you can do to build that one relationship such that by doing it would make everything else easier or necessary? Write it down, then time block it. We hope this episode has added value to you. If it has, please share it with somebody who you know needs to hear it. If you have not subscribed yet to the show, please go ahead and click that subscribe button. Let's make this official, baby. We got a lot of good stuff coming up over the next few weeks. Don't you want it to come to your device automatically? Oh, it's the easy way. Just push the button. And if you have not yet left us a rating or a review in iTunes yet, please do so. We read everyone. They mean the world to us. As always, we appreciate your time, your attention, and we look forward to serving you in the next episode.